Thank you, Pastor Dave, for that uh, ministry of music. As we have been studying in the book of 2 Corinthians, we are in a section that deals with those individuals who do not appreciate the ministry of the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, we ended with the statement, For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech is contemptible. And so they did not appreciate his ministry. Paul is afraid that as a result of their failing to appreciate his ministry, that they are going to turn to others. And that many of those that they are going to be turning to are going to be false teachers. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2, For I am jealous with you for a godly jealousy. He is concerned that he is going to lose followers, but he has a godly concern. It isn't just that he's jealous for them and wants to keep them for himself, but he's jealous for them and wants to keep them for Jesus Christ. For the end of 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2 states, For I betrothed you to one husband, that is to Christ, that I might present you as a pure virgin. So Paul is concerned that as they reject his ministry, that ultimately they are going to unconsciously, unwittingly, unknowingly reject the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in 2 Corinthians 11.3, But I'm afraid, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. He is afraid that there are going to come in people who are going to beguile them, even as Adam and Eve were beguiled by the serpent. That they are going to be encouraged to depart from simple adherence to faith and trust in Jesus Christ and aspire for things and situations that don't, in fact, honor and glorify the Lord Jesus. So Paul warns against false teachers. Verse 12 of chapter 11. But what I am doing, I will continue to do, that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter about which they are boasting. He wants to sever every opportunity. He wants to cut it off. He wants to render ineffective the influence that these others are having upon the Corinthians. He's trying to shut them out. He's trying to bar them from access to the Corinthians. In order to do that, he needs to make the Corinthians more aware of spiritual evaluations. He says to them in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 7, You are looking at things as they are outwardly. You are just looking on outward things rather than the internal or spiritual things. They have a high estimation of self-confidence and a low estimation of humility. For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech is contemptible. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul wrote in verse 1, Now I, Paul, myself urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. They did not hold meekness and gentleness in high regard. They liked arrogance. They liked boasting. They liked people who were self-confident, self-assured. And so Paul is warning the Corinthians not to be taken in by individuals who are bragging about their abilities and their accomplishments. Key verses are 2 Corinthians 10, 17, and 18. But he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. The theme for this morning is that we need to appreciate and follow those who promote the Lord and not themselves. Let me say that again. The theme is we need to appreciate and follow those who promote the Lord and not themselves. Paul, first of all, distinguishes himself from those who promote themselves. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. And we'll work through this verse by verse. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. For we are not. There's the distinguish, distinguishing element. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. Paul states this, first of all, negatively. Paul refuses to be a part of those who promote themselves. That's found in the word in verse 12, to commend themselves. These are people who come with self-recommendations. These are individuals who validate themselves, who give self-approval. These are individuals who come sounding their own praises, trumpeting their own accomplishments, speaking highly of their own activities and dealings. We are well aware that there are both individuals and ministries that have no qualms about singing their own praises. They love to speak of their accomplishments and want to keep you abreast of all that they have done. Some ministries have incredible amounts of publications and promotional materials so that you can be very much aware of absolutely everything that they are doing. And being effectual for Jesus Christ. So that you're going to value them. So that you're going to appreciate them. So you're going to give money to them. So you're going to follow them. And so they promote what they are doing. Usually, in their estimation, better than anybody else that's doing it. So your money is most worthwhile spent in this ministry. He refers to those who do so. And he says that that would be inappropriate. Verse 12. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves. That word for bold is to be daring. To be daring. And so Paul says, we don't dare do that. He's afraid to do that. Why? Because he's ultimately accountable to God. Not the Corinthians. Because God is going to judge. Because God is going to commend. Because God is going to reward. And so, he's going to be very careful, and he dares not boast about what he is doing, 
Because ultimately it's what God is doing. And he doesn't want to enter into detracting from bringing glory to God, but rather, in fact, give glory to God. These individuals that he speaks of who promote themselves do so based on a faulty standard. They simply have a self-evaluation. Notice in verse 12, these words. But when they measure themselves by themselves. They measure themselves by themselves. They are given totally to self-evaluation. How is our ministry doing? We're doing very well, thank you. Because they are evaluating themselves according to their old or their own standard. But not only are they evaluating themselves by themselves in the sense of their own standard, but they are seeing their own ministry as is of greatest value and worth. Our work is the most important work. Our ministry is the most important ministry. And you've heard it. You've seen it. Uh, you're aware of it. People will tout what it is that they are doing. And they do so with the kind of arrogance that says that this is the most important work. Why? What we're doing is important because we're working with the inner city. And you know how needy the inner city is. We are working with children. And you know how important that is because the children are the future of the church and the future of this world. We are working with the homeless and poverty stricken. And you know how important that is because they're an overlooked people. And nobody else cares about these individuals. But we care and we're involved. We are working with the physically challenged. Those that have limitations. And you know, those are the people that are uncared for. They, they're the outcasts. They are people that others don't show love to. And so often they are put on the fringe. But we are giving ourselves to these individuals and ministering to them. Or we're working with those who have AIDS. And so many shun them and put them down and want nothing to do with them. But we are showing mercy. We're showing kindness. We're showing compassion. Because we work with those that have AIDS. Or we're working with the underdeveloped third world countries. Which have tremendous needs. And the United States is so rich... And we have so much available to us. Why in the world would we spend money in the United States when we can be ministering to people in the third world that have none of the opportunities, none of the blessings that we do, and that's where we focus our ministry. Because that's the most important part of the world. The third world. That's what we do. Or we have a campus-based ministry. Why Reach people over there that's so cost-effective when they're coming into our own country. They're in our backyard. And so we ought to minister on, on the campus because that's the way in which we can minister to people. That's the most important thing that we can do. Or we're working with a, a very hard group, the Muslims. They, it is such a difficult work. They don't respond to the gospel quickly. But we have the endurance. We have the patience. We have the commitment that we're going to hang in there. 
You get the idea? Every ministry is the most important ministry because that's the ministry that they're involved in. And Paul sees that as a huge problem. But not only that, further, they evaluate ministries based on their own ministry. Notice 10, verse 12, and the words, and compare themselves with themselves. Compare themselves with themselves. As they, as they look at ministries, they evaluate ministries based on what they are doing. So, back to that whole list of illustrations. We are working with the inner city. What are you doing for the inner city? We're working with children. What are you doing to reach children? We're working with the physically challenged. What kind of program do you have to reach the physically challenged? We're working with AIDS patients. When's the last time you spoke or you went to someone who had AIDS? We're working with the third world in trying to help them. We send them medical supplies. We are establishing clinics. When's the last time you went to the third world? When's the last time you gave so that these medical supplies would be uh, given uh, to the third world countries and the clinics could be established? And you get the idea. I'm not going to go through the whole list. But then, not only do they evaluate themselves and say it's the most important thing, but then they evaluate every other ministry based on what they think is most important. And as a result, they seek to draw you away from what you are doing and get you involved in what they are doing. That's the whole goal. That's the whole purpose. And Paul is concerned that these Corinthians are going to move away from his ministry and get engaged in these other ministries. And Paul says that such an evaluation and such approach at the end of verse 12 is without understanding. Is without understanding. Without understanding of what? I think three things. First, without understanding of the diversity of gifts and ministries. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul spoke about diversity of gifts. Same group of people, Corinthians. And they were prizing some gifts over other gifts. And they were jealous of one another because of their unique giftedness. And Paul said, and he used the illustration of a body, that not everybody can be the eye or where would be the hearing. Not everybody can be the ear or where would be the seeing. Not everybody can be the foot. Not everybody can be the hand. But together, working together, the body, the whole being, accomplishes the purpose and will of God. So Paul says to the Corinthians that you need to see the value in every gift. Well, the same is true in ministries. 
We need to see the value in the totality of Christian ministries and not uh, in any way pit them against each other. We are not to be competitors in the kingdom of God. We're to be co-laborers in the kingdom of God. And we're not to view our ministry as more important than any other ministry. And we are not to view any other ministry as more important than our ministry. We all are serving the Lord and together with all of the churches, all of parachurch organizations, all the missionary endeavors, all the people of God are going to be serving the kingdom of God. So, they are not understanding the diversity of gifts and ministry. Secondly, they're not understanding the diversity of God's calling. The sovereignty of God. It is God who gives us those gifts. And it is God who calls us to specific ministries. And then thirdly, they don't understand God's judgment. And that is that He's going to hold us accountable for our gift and our ministry. I'll get unpacked in just a few moments. So that's the negative. Positively, Paul evaluates his ministry based on what God has given him to do. Verse 13. But we will not boast beyond our measure. But within the sphere, uh, excuse me, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure. Now that sounds like godly goop to me until you, you unpack that. I, I looked at that a long time and then, you know, I, I, I first was reading this in my English Bible and then I got out my uh, Greek New Testament. I'm working through this. And here's the, here's the thought. There's a play on words. And the word for measure here is the word for limitations or boundaries. So within the boundary of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a boundary. So think of this as, a, as the boundaries. Okay, here, here's my boundary here. And here's my boundary here. And then the sphere. It's a globe. Okay, it's a circle. So here are the outer edges of the circle. And Paul says, I minister within this confines. God has given me a boundary. God has given me a sphere. God has given me an area, if you will, to work in. And Paul confines himself to working in the area that God gave him. Notice verse 13. But we will not boast beyond our measure or beyond our limits, but within the measure of the sphere which God has appointed to us. Paul's sphere of ministry was very specific. What God had for Paul to do was very clear. Paul writes in Romans 1.1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle and set apart 
Set apart. But what's unusual about that word, it's not the usual word sanctified. To set apart. Usually we think sanctified or set holy. It's really, literally, bounds have been set. Sphere of ministry. For, he says, the gospel of God. Paul's ministry was preaching the gospel. That's what Paul did. And Paul was faithful to that. And he wouldn't allow himself to be distracted from that. Paul writes to the Corinthians, the same group of people, in the first letter and says this, Now I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. Then he says this, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Is there anything wrong with baptizing people? Is it important that people are baptized? Is that a worthwhile ministry to be engaged in? To baptize people? Yes. But Paul says, that's not what God gave me to do. He said, when I came to you, I was preaching the gospel. He said, I let other people do that. I let other people baptize you. Because I wasn't trying to find followers for me. I was trying to find followers for the Lord Jesus Christ. And his ministry to the Corinthians was appropriate. Verse 14. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you. Play on words. It was not a reach for Paul to go to Corinth. It wasn't out of place. It wasn't beyond the sphere of his ministry. It was very much in keeping with what God had given Paul to do. Paul was was to go and preach the gospel. How much more relevant for Paul to go to a city that no one had gone to yet preaching the gospel. Notice verse 14. Paul was the first person to take the gospel to the Corinthians. For we were not overextending ourselves as, we did, as if we did not reach to you. Why? For we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what God gave me to do. To reach people with the gospel. And so I came to you. Because nobody else had come to you yet. Paul wrote in the book of Romans. And the Romans are wondering why Paul had not yet visited them. He's making all of these missionary journeys and uh, doing all of this work. So, why hasn't he gone to Rome? And the Romans are taking it very personally, as though he didn't care about them. He wasn't concerned about them. He didn't view them as important enough. Paul writes to these Romans and says in Romans 15, 20, And thus I aspired to preach the gospel Not where Christ was already named, that I might not build upon another's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. For this reason, I have often been hindered from coming to you. Paul says, the reason I didn't come to you is, you already have the gospel. You've already been evangelized. You've already been reached. My ministry is preaching the gospel. Why in the world 
when I come to a place where the gospel has already been preached, you already believe, and fail to go to an area where the gospel has yet to be proclaimed. Paul is saying, this is nothing about belittling you. This is nothing about saying that you are unimportant or that I don't care or that I'm not concerned. I'm just following the ministry that God has given me to do. Paul limited himself to what God had given to do. Paul was not working in other people's ministries. Notice verse 15. Not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors. Paul was not working in other people's vineyards. Paul was not doing other people's things. He was doing what God had called him to do. We are not ministering in other people's ministries. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, there are individuals that are coming in. And they are coming into my vineyard. They're coming into my ministry. And notice at the end of verse 15, Paul says, But with the hope that as your faith grows, we shall be within our sphere, enlarged even more by you. So Paul says, here's my sphere of ministry. I'm preaching the gospel. And my hope is that as you grow in your faith, we are going to be even more effective. Notice in verse 16. So as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you. We want to go further than you. And Paul says, I hope that you are going to help me in this. But Paul is afraid that they aren't going to help him in this. That they're going to abandon him for some other so-called ministry. And some of them actually aren't going to be valid ministries at all. Not valid ministries at all. So, in this first section, what are some of the applications? Well, first... A ministry should not grow by stealing people from other ministries. Ministries should grow from within. Ministries should grow from their own ministry. There is something unhealthy about a ministry that is basically flourishing from taking believers from other Ministries. Now, in the day and age in which we live, people are very mobile. And people have a tendency to move. And there are loads of opportunities. And people have a tendency to get involved in one ministry here, another ministry here, and then back over here. And there's not much you can do about that. And there's not necessarily anything particularly wrong about that. 
but a ministry shouldn't be targeting people in other ministries as a basis of their financial return, as a basis of a people to work with, to get people to help them. They shouldn't be targeting another ministry to bring them over to their ministry. Their own ministry ought to be self-supporting in that regard. Secondly, Paul is seeking to grow his ministry. Notice verse 15. But with the hope that as your faith grows, we shall be within our sphere enlarged even more by you. And verse 16, to take the gospel to regions beyond. As people and monies are siphoned away through these other organizations, Paul says, we're not going to have the opportunity to do that. We are going to be diminished. These others were trespassing on Paul's labors. Now again, why is that important? Verse 16. Paul says, so we preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you. And then these words, and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. Paul says, I'm not going to boast about what I have done at the expense of another sphere of ministry. Okay? So, Paul isn't interested in going to a city where the gospel has already been preached in order to draw followers after him. Paul's not interested in numbers. Paul's interested in converts. Paul's interested in a real, vital ministry. Paul says, I'm not going to boast in taking people away from other groups. And there are. There are. There are ministries that, that boast on the amount of people they have coming and they don't care where those people came from. Whether they are converts or whether they're from other religious uh, organizations or, or churches. Uh, they, they have no qualms about it. What's the biggest problem with all of that? What's the biggest concern? Because I started off by saying that we shouldn't be competitors in the kingdom of God. We're to be co-laborers in the kingdom of God. That's problem number one. We shouldn't view other ministries as competitors. We're not like Walmart and Target. We're not like Olive Garden and Longhorn Steakhouse. We are not competitors trying for the same people group. We are co-laborers. But Paul says in verse 17, But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. He who boasts 
is to boast in the Lord. What we are to be rejoicing in is what is being accomplished for God's kingdom and what is being done to the honor and glory of God. To put it in a very common, simple way, we shouldn't be concerned about growing our own little kingdom. We ought to be concerned about growing God's kingdom. And we're to see the totality of what the Spirit of God is doing. We're to see the value in what the Spirit of God is doing. And rejoicing in that wherever it is. Recognizing the value. Recognizing the worth. So we are delighted that there are ministries to children. And we are elated that there are people that are working with AIDS patients. And we think that there's so much value and benefit to people who are going to third world countries and establishing clinics and supplying them with medical needs. And we're delighted that there are people that are ministering on college campuses to take the gospel to those that are coming from other nations and are right here in our own backyard. And we are happy that there are people that are working with those that are physically challenged. That's great. That's what God has given them to do. And they're doing it. And they're being blessed. And praise God for it. And rejoice in it. I'm grateful, I really am, that we live in a Bible Belt. That we have a preponderance of good churches who preach and teach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those churches are sister churches. And the people that attend them are brothers and sisters in Christ. So we are delighted and say, praise God. Bless Jonestown Bible Church. Use the ministry of Lebanon Valley Bible. May uh, the uh, Lebanon Evangelical... What, 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 what's the... Yeah, Lebanon Evangelical uh, Free Church... May God grow them and prosper them and use them mightily. But that's not a reflection on us. And that isn't what we are about. And Paul's concern is the unrest. And that's my concern this morning. I'm not particularly talking about our church, but in evangelicalism, there's a tremendous unrest that exists among the people of God, a discontentedness that is actually created by ministries to make you discontent with where you are and with what you are doing so that you will join with them. So that they can flourish more. As opposed to rejoicing in what is being done for the kingdom. Paul says, I refuse 
You get involved with that. I won't go there. And Paul warns the Corinthians and says, I'm not going to start doing that. I'm not going to start pitting my ministry against these others to make myself look good and them look bad. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to boast in the Lord. I'm going to give praise for what the Lord is doing. It's not about what Paul did. It's about what God is doing. A sovereign, holy God. And there are times in which a sovereign and holy God blesses in different ways. Uses different people. But we all still need to be doing what God would have us to do. Again, come back to the analogy and illustration of the body of Christ. Then verse 18. Reason for not he who commends himself is approved, but on whom the Lord commends, whom the Lord says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Paul is saying, No, it really doesn't matter. In the greater estimation of things, whether you gain whether I gain your approval or not. Paul's more concerned about gaining God's approval for his own self-worth. But on another level, Paul says it is important to gain your approval because I don't want you to go after these other groups and these other things. And ultimately, the concern is for false ministries. Uh, and what happens is that when people tend to leave sound works, many times there are actually false teachers that pounce upon it. Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, Mormons, uh, other works that aren't Bible-believing, aren't, con aren't confessing the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and uh, His reality and His truth and His, and His person and salvific work. And uh, people are being drawn, Christians, being drawn away to these, these organizations. And it's not good. It's not good. So, what needs to be done? We need to rejoice in what God is doing, wherever it's being done. We need to rejoice in what God is doing here, and we need to rejoice in what God is doing there. And we need to content ourselves with what God is doing here. And notice verse Um, 15. That as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere, enlarged even more by you. Rather than look with envy upon what another ministry is doing, rather than wanting to jump on the bandwagon of who's got the promotional material that puts them out there as being the most influential, the most valuable, the most worthwhile, uh, the most God-honoring, the most this or the most that. Rather get on the bandwagon, Paul says, make this ministry flourish. Put your effort into where you are. Give yourself to where God has placed you. And make that be better than what it can be, than what it is now, 
That's what Paul is encouraging the believers to do. To the honor and glory of God. Thus, evaluate. Not by self-evaluation. Not by self-promotion. Not by touting everything that you are doing and everything that you have done. But rather point to what God is doing, what God has done, and see the value of not just your ministry, but their ministry. And conversely, don't devalue your ministry based on their ministry. But may we be co-laborers in the kingdom of God to the honor and glory of God, to the approval of God. Let's pray. Our Father, help us, help us uh, to not engage in self-evaluation and self-promotion. But Lord, may we promote the Lord Jesus Christ. May we not compare others with ourselves. And may we not compare ourselves with others. May we use the standard of your word and ask ourselves, are we being faithful? Are we being true? Are we fulfilling the task for which God has called us? Are we being faithful in the use of our gift? Are we being productive where we are? And Lord, help us to be a people at rest. Evangelicalism to be at rest. As there would be many that would promote and tout and give the impression that only what they are doing is worthwhile. Only what they are doing is of benefit. Only what they are doing is accomplishing the kingdom's purpose. Oh Lord, may we see the lack of understanding in that. May we see the, the narrowness of that. May we see the inappropriate of that. May we dare not, as Paul uses the term, enter into that kind of thinking. But Lord, simply help us to rejoice in what and who you are and give you all the praise for whatever it is that you are accomplishing. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.